important in huge areas of the past. Striving to make sense of events by getting them in perspective, we in fact make judgments about world history all the time. All the better then to make them as seriously and as consciously as possible, whatever the shortcomings of our attempts to do so. Our minds are not going to be empty of them. One way in which I hope to have made this a little easier is by recalling something too often ignored, the importance of historical inertia and the sheer weight of the inherited past. This is not just a matter of what we can see, ruins and beef-eaters are interesting, but of minor importance, but of the mental and institutional history lost to sight in the welter of day-to-day -day events. This may be even easier to grasp in the light of resurgent Islamic fundamentalism than ten years ago. Then, too, while it was easy to recall that what was called the Cold War dominated much of the 1950s and 1960s, we often overlooked its deep background in forces moulding the outlook of Americans, Russians, and Chinese centuries before arguments could take place about capitalism and communism. Distant history, in such ways, still clutters up our lives. Even our chronology is soaked in history. There is no good reason in this book to set aside the Christian chronology, which divides the past B.C.A.D., and was first adopted in the 6th century A.D. for, say, the Japanese or the Islamic alternatives. But A.D. 1941, to take a year important in both Japanese and European history, is just as conventional a way of putting things as is the year 2601, which is the form once favoured by some Japanese nationalists. Calendars are cultural artefacts. Our choice of chronologically significant dates around which to construct them is shaped by history. The effects of inertia are offset always by another fact which shaped the general argument of this book, mankind's unique power to produce change. For most people, this may well seem more obvious than the way past history clutters up human freedom to act. The acceleration of change, its growth in scale and its wider and wider spread, are irresistible evidence of an increase in conscious power to master the world of nature, and one reason why people have underrated the weight of the past. Such evidence has accumulated further in the last ten years. Lately, though, this mastery has been understandably clouded by disaster. The enthusiasm once felt for technical and intellectual achievement has fallen into disfavour in some quarters. The Great Depression, Auschwitz and Hiroshima have been followed by pollution, fear of overpopulation, and the threat of war with ever more frightful weapons, to name only a handful of twentieth-century evils. Many people distrust Promethean visions of man which were in the past too easily distorted into an optimism which assumed that inevitable success lay ahead. They think such views dated and shallow, and they are right. They recall that the cheerfulness with which H. G. Wells contemplated the past in 1920 gave way to despair when he looked at the world at the end of his life, a quarter of a century or so later. Though I can respect some of these misgivings, I do not share the pessimism which is often drawn from them. I doubt whether a knowledge of historical facts has much to do with most people's optimism or pessimism. Such feelings seem to me to be usually a matter of temperament. But even if this impression is wrong, it does not seem to me that many safe predictions can follow from such facts as history provides. We can only make judgments, not necessary inductions. 
They do not force us to conclude either that we are now facing problems specially recalcitrant, or on the other hand that we are not. The resourcefulness and ingenuity so far shown by mankind in asserting its conscious control of environment is not now invalidated because huge new needs and problems have arisen from human achievement itself. Such problems need not be insoluble in principle, though the cost may be some major discontinuities. The odds seem to me to be that the world organized as we know it certainly cannot last much longer, but that ordered and civilized life will go on in most places where it already exists. We have no reason to suppose that the outcome will be any more intolerable than, say, the results of changes forced on traditional Asia and Africa within the last century by the coming of Western technology. Many people, of course, may reasonably argue that this would be intolerable enough. My ideas on such topics emerged, or at least were clarified, by writing...